God is chosen now to do a particular work in the earth. So Holy Spirit, we, we want to have a real falling awake moment that we hear the urgency of heaven and the plans of God and what God intends to do in the continent that we live in, of Europe, in the nation that we live in, the UK, that you are here not by chance. You're here by the design of God. You may have come here, some of you from other nations, and you're here for many different reasons, but God says you're here for purpose, you're here for design, and you're here because he always wanted you to be here, that you're here because you're a blessing and you're a carrier of kingdom, and you're here at this time because God has a big purpose for this continent. And so Jesus, we want to line up with your word, we want to line up with what you say, we want to line up with your prophetic intention. Amen. Since Christmas, I've, for some reason, got obsessed with watching sport documentaries. And um, I'm watching sport documentaries back to back. And I'm watching sport documentaries about American football, which I, I had no interest in American football and never really understood any of the rules or how they play it. But got really intrigued by American football. So I've watched series one, the Arizona Cardinals. Series two, the LA Rams. Series three, the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm watching these back to back and I'll be watching them back to back for a bit longer because <laughs> I'm really enjoying them. But you know what? I, I got struck by something watching them. as These different teams that no coach comes to the team and says... This year, we're going to lose. This year, we're not going to Wembley, the FA Cup final. This year, we're not getting the Super Bowl. Every team, whether they were the weakest team who had never really achieved much, the coach would come to them and say, this year, we're going to the playoffs. This year, we're winning the championship. This year, we're getting the Super Bowl. And even when mid-season, they would be in awful predicament. They said, this is still rescuable. This is still possible. We can still pull this around. We can still get into the playoffs. The coach speaks confident expectation over the team. And so I started to imagine Jesus, the head coach of the church, coming to the church and saying to the church, his bride, his body, his team, coming with his expectations and his dream for his church and what he is building, and what he sees, and what he understands. And obviously, he is in a wonderful, advantageous position, because he lives out of time, he lives from eternity, he sees the end from the beginning, he already knows that he's won, <laughs> it's finished, he's already got this huge victory it's the decisive victory. He already sees that it's going to be the throne of God surrounded by myriads of myriads of people, different languages and tongues and backgrounds. He already sees the nations gathered to him. And then he speaks into time. So he, he's outside of time and says, I want Europe. And you could add another nation, other nations. I want Nepal. I want Ghana. I, 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 want, I want Nigeria, I want South America, I want Brazil, I want, and I'll have it. And so he can see it, and he says, of course I can say I'll have it, because he sees outside of time, actually he can go and see I've got it. 
And then he comes into time and speaks through the prophetic, through the prophetic gift, through the prophet, and says to his team, his body, his church, us, in this moment, I want Europe. Do you want it with me? Earlier in the prophecy, he says, this is the prime time of the kingdom. It's almost like God is saying for this prophetic word, he loves the chaos of the world. He loves, not that he loves it like he's delighting in it, but he loves the moment we're in that is full of problems and challenges and chaos and brokenness and stuff. Because he says, this is the prime time of the kingdom when I can demonstrate most profoundly the wisdom and the understanding of my heart. And so he comes to us, to to CCK, and says, I am bringing a quickening spirit to the earth. He says what took years is going to take months. What took months is going to take weeks. What took weeks is going to take days. And what took days is going to happen in a matter of moments. Now, we can hear a prophetic word like, God's going to show and demonstrate his kingdom and that there's going to be outbreak and, 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 and churches in every region and every city and every village. We can hear prophetic words that talk about quickening and God coming and doing more in a moment. And we can hear it and go, nice, and forget about it and go back to our lives. Or we can hear it and say, I am adjusting everything in my moment, in this moment, to what you're saying. So Coach Jesus comes to his church, not as a rah, 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 maybe, but as an absolute definite because he's seen it and says, CCK, you have got an inheritance in me to be part of this. Do you want it? An invitation, a prophetic opportunity, a mandate from heaven. Because prophecy When God speaks prophetically, whether it's a personal prophecy or a corporate prophecy or an us prophecy as this is, it doesn't mean that it's inevitable. You know, that God said it, it's just going to happen. I mean, when he talks to us, like he's going to do it. He's going to find communities in the earth. He's going to find churches. He's going to find people. He's going to find leaders all over the earth who are going to say yes Are we going to be one of them who says yes? Because it's not inevitable. You know, you and I, we could go along our lives and just doing what we've always done, thinking what we've always thought, expecting what we've always expected, or we can hear the prophetic and it can wake us up to the mandate of heaven and the purpose of God and the plan of God in our generation, in our moment, and that we can say, that's my invitation. I'm having it. That's my opportunity. I'm having it. It's not all on us. He's going to have apostolic churches all over the world. He's saying to us, I've planted seeds in this church that I've been watering for decades. I'm now saying I'm bringing a quickening to those seeds. Do you want it with me? So we're not just here biding our time until we die. Here to change the world. With the hope of the world. 
Lots of churches, good churches. It's not our responsibility about what other good churches do. Our responsibility is what will we say? Because we are planted here, we are here by the design of God. Hallelujah. That, it's got its history, it's got its story. This church has started through a visitation of the Holy Spirit. That's how it started. A bunch of people got filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how the church was birthed. And so there's this invitation to us. And this prophetic word, that we've, that little slice that we've just listened to, is that God is saying, hey, CCK, I love you so much, and I believe in you so much. You're so amazing, and you're so gifted, and you're so called by me to be a really fruitful vine. You, 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 you amaze me, I love you. I can see who you are, I can see who you're becoming, I can see the impact you're going to have. But hey, hey guys, there's some stuff you can't carry with you where we're going. That's what that two minutes is saying. It's saying where we're going, you can't carry that with you. We're going up a big mountain and you can't carry all that stuff you've been carrying because you won't get there if you're carrying all of that. So he's saying in that prophetic word, I want to take away things that are killing you that are weighing you down, that are making you feel less. You can't take that with you. In other words, he's saying, in that prophetic word, no more surrendering your identity. And we can hear it individually. It's important that we hear it individually because it's an individual thing too. It's going to be a corporate body team expression full of lots of individual decisions. But he's talking to us as a church and saying, hey, family, team, bride, church, no more. Surrendering your identity to a negative. So what God is saying. He's saying, I'm bringing a quickening. I'm, I've planted seeds here. I'm going to cause you to bring my solutions to the chaos and the problems of SE18 and all the regions And it's going to happen corporately, as, you, as we say, as I say, no more surrendering our identity to a negative. I don't know if you've realised that the message of negativity that goes on out there, it's really special. <laughs> if I, I, I don't get too much into this about territorial spirits and all that kind of stuff but I do think locations have kind of messages and broadcasts and things that kind of get into the culture of an area where that area just all seem to agree with it just as the culture the lived out behavior the natural way of thinking some of the messages in this area are it won't work here I don't know if you've come across that where at work or in community where people's first reaction is it won't work here. It's a negativity, it's a negative message. Another one is even if it did, 
it doesn't matter here. It doesn't matter here. Fly tipping is a manifestation of a message of negativity that says it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, it's just rubbish. So the kingdom has another message and another broadcast that's full of hope. But living under an atmosphere, it can get into you and me, can't it? That we can live in an atmosphere where it doesn't matter, it won't work, there's not enough, there's not enough money, there's not enough resources, it won't make a difference. Or maybe we can be impacted by one or two disappointments and things setbacks and things we had hoped for that didn't happen the way we had hoped and the time we had hoped. And suddenly we can find ourselves surrendering our identity to a negative. And negativity then will shape how you see everything. It will shape how you think about everything. It will shape the way you conclude and create pessimism. Negativity is a really powerful thing. Negativity is, is pessimism. It's kind of like, there's not even the glass is half full. It's like the glass is spilt or the glass is going to be spilt. Negativity can just be we speak critically about ourselves, about our lives, about our potential, about our impact. It can be the way we speak about one another. It can impact the way we speak about us as a community. That negativity comes in and just corrodes and rots and rusts our confidence, our identity. So God is saying no more surrendering your identity to a negative. See, it's a powerful thing. Coach Jesus can be saying, I want Europe, will you have it with me? But if we're living and cultivating a culture of negativity, our first response would be, we can't, we're too small. Actually, that's what got into, you remember in Numbers, Numbers 13, when they go into the land and 12 spies go in, 10 of them come to negative conclusions. We're too small, we're too weak, we're too feeble, the giants are too big, we look like grasshoppers to them, we're nothing. And two didn't surrender their identity to a negative. Caleb and Joshua, they said, surely we can have it. They're bred to us. And the others spread a bad report amongst the people. Cost a generation. They had a prophetic mandate promise to go into the land, but negativity, pessimism, hopelessness got into them, and they weren't willing to surrender that to the prophetic promise of God. A whole generation missed out of going in the land because of the report of just ten influential people. And so negativity steals our confidence. So instead of being bold and confident and being who we're made to be, and these are kind of things of confidence, like we see sickness and we think, I know we can break in. I know we can break in because Christ is in me. I know we can break in. I know we can heal. 
We see problems and we think, no, the kingdom has solutions. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I've got access, I've got connection. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. I've got wisdom, I've got solutions, I've got power, I've got breakthrough to bring. I can bring transformation wherever I go. It's that identity of sonship that you live according to. And it gets expressed in a multitude of different ways and different personalities will bring it differently. But it's being there saying, you know what, I can connect to God, I can bring wisdom here, I've got solutions in me, I can pause, I can connect and draw on God wherever and whenever I like. But when we've got negativity, it replaces confident expectation, both individually and as a corporate body. And it replaces that with a kind of learned helplessness. Can't do anything, can't change anything. Can't draw on God. I'm passively waiting for something to happen. It turns our prayers into kind of begging prayers rather than son and daughter, expectant, confident, intimate prayers. We just know he's good and we know he's wise and we know he's coming and we know he's working and doing more than we could ever ask or imagine. We know he's doing, as Elijah found out, 7,000 times more than we realise when he thought he was the only prophet when Jezebel was chasing him. He thought, there's only me left. And God said, no, there's not only you left, 7,000 others who have not bowed the knee. I'm doing 7,000 times more right now than you even see. Confident churches know that and say, you know what? God is doing something. God is working. He's going to do it through me too. And so in this prophetic word, God is calling us up and out from negativity. He's calling us up and out from negativity. He's saying you're going up the mountain, you can't carry the weight of negative thinking or conclusions where we're going. You need to let it go. And so we can hear a word like that and we could stop here and it could be like in those coaching films that I talk about, it could be like a rah-rah, you know, We're going to double our efforts. We're going to try harder. Do a response. Stand up if you want to try harder. Grit your teeth. Pull your socks up. That's not what God says, and that's not how God does it. You and me do not change ourselves. So God speaks. He initiates. He brings a word to us and says, No more surrendering your identity to a negative. But then he says, I am going to be making war on all your negativity. Yeah? He speaks. No, no, you can't come to negative conclusions about yourself anymore, CCK. Or about yourself, individual believer. It's over. No more. No more surrendering your identity to a negative. It stops today. And then he says, I'm going to be making war on all your negativity. He says, I'm going to be doing violence against every negative. He's initiating, he's active. He says, I'm going to be driving out negativity. He says, I'm going to take things away from you that are weighing you down. This is so good. 
He both initiates it and speaks it, and then says, I'm going to do it. All of our transformation is a work of Holy Spirit. All of it. All of it. All the fruit, the peace, the joy. Faithfulness, self-control is a work of Holy Spirit. It's God rubbing off on us. He says, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you how we think. That's the Trinity. I'm going to teach you how we see things. I'm going to teach you how we talk about things. This is really good. Good. It's not a modify yourself, get out of here, try harder. We're going to teach you how to think. We're going to teach you how to see. We're going to teach you how to talk. And he's going to be working until he changes the language that comes out of our mouths. So it's a transformation initiated by God, brought about by God teaching us how to think, teaching us how to speak, teaching us how to reason. God changing even the way we speak about ourselves, others, our circumstances, the region we live in, and the church itself. He's going to teach us how to speak. And he says, so that everything out of your mouth will have life, power, and blessing attached to it. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. James says you can orientate and lead your life through what you say. And then he says, but who can control the tongue? Actually, God can teach us how to speak. God can change our language. God can cause every word that comes out of us to be full of blessing and power and life. The words we say are an overflow of the heart. It's an indication of what's really going on and what we really, really believe. What's your words when you're hungry? What's your words when you're tired? Gives you a really good indication of what you really believe. What's your words when you're frustrated? Gives you an indication. Become a student of your words. It gives you an indication of where you need God to go to war and do violence and work in you. So he's giving us, as a church, upgraded responses regardless of circumstances. That's what it means to be in his team, regardless of what the world says about the church and the validity of the church or the future of the church. He's giving us upgraded responses regardless of circumstances. Okay, so he's, he speaks... He wages war, he drives out, he teaches us how to speak. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. So are we then just kind of passive and waiting for God to get it done? You know, like you take a car to have a a respray, you know. When will it be done? Actually, we're not passive. Actually, we co-labor, we cooperate with his intention. The prophetic word has phrases like this. Come and help us. Words like no more surrendering your identity to a negative. He says things like take your hands off. 
He says things like opposition attaches to what you don't remove. In other words, spiritual warfare is not screaming at the heavens. Spiritual warfare actually is renewing of the mind, changing the way we speak, changing and repenting, saying, actually, I'm not going to be negative anymore. That is spiritual warfare. That's powerful. So throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, there's constantly this reminder. And I would say this simple truth is what's behind all the great men and women who have ever been alive on the planet. If God says it, we do it. So that's pretty much behind every great missionary man or woman, any great leader, anybody who's ever done anything with and for God, has been this simple thing. If you say it, we do it. So let's turn to some verses. Luke, um, Luke 8, 18. Remember, this is, not, this is not condemnation. This is called Holy Spirit's blowing in the winds of our sails. I am going to tack my sails in obedience to respond to him so that we go where he's going. 8.18 says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Consider carefully how you listen. Consider carefully. How did you listen to that prophetic word when he said no more surrendering? Consider carefully how you listen. Hebrews 3, 16. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 16. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion, talking about Israel coming out of Egypt. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't say, oh, I've heard prophetic words before, and I've heard prophetic moments before, and I've heard that, and nothing happened, and... I got disappointed and discouraged last time I heard something. I can't hope again. Don't harden your heart. Don't allow unbelief and cynicism to come in because of past disappointments or because of things that didn't happen in the past. Don't harden your heart. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. Do what it says. And finally, Matthew. Matthew seven twenty four. Jesus says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
careful how you listen. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't merely listen to the word. Do what it says. If, there anyone, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them in the practice, he's like a wise builder building his house on a rock. And all these words of future obedience have at their foundation the reality of what Christ has already achieved at the cross. We're not listening in a certain way so we can become what we are currently not. We are listening and obeying and not hardening our hearts so we can manifest who we already are. So this prophetic word is not saying I'm bringing in a quickening. If you can just change yourself and modify yourself and just become a better version of who you are. This prophetic word is essentially saying, and it says it in other parts, the old Man is dead. Galatians 2.20 I, you, we, if you're a believer, have been crucified with Christ. I I don't remember being crucified with Christ. No, you were crucified with Christ. Don't remember it. How many people died with Jesus on the on that day? How many people? Two. How do we know that? How do you know there were two people? Where do you. The, the, the Gospels tell us. And the same inspired word of God says, I, I have been crucified with Christ, and I, I no longer live. The life I live in this body, because I'm still living in a body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The old man is dead. That negative, cynical, self-critical, pessimistic, hopeless man is dead. Gone over. So that's why God can say no more no, no more surrendering your identity, who you really are, to a negative. Because that's not who you really are. Negative mindsets don't belong to the believer. They don't belong to your new identity in Christ. And I, and I get it that, this, that you can think, wow, you don't know me. Well, you don't know me. If I do a personality test, I am melancholic. In other words, my natural disposition and thought patterns would be Eeyore. I'd love to be Tigger. But if I'm just, if I'm just yielding and believing that the old man is alive, that's who I am. It's going to be a rainy day. Expect the worst. And God is saying, hey, Eeyore's dead. 
Eeyore's dead. <laughs> Buried. <laughs> You're a new creation in Christ. So in that prophetic word, God says to us on this basis, he says, my son would say to you, I'm taking back my stuff. I died for it. I paid a price for it. It doesn't belong to you. He says that anger, that fear, that frustration, that rage, that helplessness, that victim poverty mindset. Get your hands off them. You can't have them any longer. I understand that renewing the mind is a process of transformation. I understand that when we've become, got a habit of negativity or helplessness or victim mindset or poverty mindset, it can take a while sometimes to see that thing replaced with the reality of who we already are in Christ. I'm okay with process. God is okay with process. God loves you right now, who you are, absolutely. He celebrates steady steps. He loves progress. But I do believe that sometimes we can find ourselves in a loop that goes on for a decade and see very little change because there was never a decision anywhere to say no more. No more surrendering your identity to a negative. Get your hands off. Even if you take your hands off every day and you keep bringing your hands off, at least your intention is, this doesn't belong to me. This is not my identity. This is not who I am. And with Christ and with Holy Spirit, he's going to be walking you through that and changing you gradually. It's going to be like when Joshua took the land. Did they take the land in a day? No. Bit by bit by bit by bit. Why? Because God says you couldn't handle the whole land in a moment because you need to fill the land and you say, otherwise the wild beasts will take over. So renewing of the mind is its process, its steady steps. It's sometimes multiple times of saying repentance and saying, actually, I'm sorry, God, I fought that way again. But it starts on the foundation of the old man is dead. Let's finish with a couple of verses. Romans Romans 6, verse 11. Romans 6, verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself, your, in that sense, your thinking to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought to life and offer every part of yourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. In other words, believer, if you become a Christian, it's not because you went to church and you like singing. Or you found a nice community where people are nice and you've got some friends. Or you, you just thought, you know what? Something to do. Makes me feel a bit better. You actually got resurrected. 
and became a brand new creation, then got added to a brand new family of other resurrected people who have gone from death to life. And so how are we to think? We're to think and reckon, to say, actually, I'm dead to that thinking. I'm dead to negativity. We're to account it. We're to consider. We're to think of ourselves as dead to all forms of negativity. When we find ourselves suddenly angry or fearful or full of frustration or rage or helplessness or victim mindset or poverty mindset, we're to say, no, actually, I'm dead to those things. That's not who I really am. Let me just read one last verse. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. But, but, one of the greatest lines in the Bible, but, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. You are a supernatural being. Who you really are is resurrected. You have Christ living in you, dwelling in in you. You are God's address. We are his territory in the earth. He's got land in the earth. He's got land in Plumstead. He's got a foothold here and it's inside the believer. He's got a foothold. He's got territory in your family. He's got a foothold and territory at your workplace. It's you and it's me and it's us. So God, we want to say to you today that this is not a rah-rah moment of us trying, but it, it harder, but it is a moment of hearing you that we want to make individual decisions and a corporate decision that says we don't want to surrender our identity to a negative. We want to believe the identity that we have in Christ. We want to believe the reality that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. We want to believe the reality that you have territory in the earth and it's inside the believer. And so, God, we are those who want to be expectant for what you want to do in the earth, that you want Europe. And you're asking us, do you want it with me? So we even ask you right now, Holy Spirit, this whole thing of passionately abiding. We're not waiting for you to come. You're in us. So right now we just draw our attention to the Christ within to the reality that Christ is within us. We draw our heart and our mind and our attention to the reality that everything we need for life and godliness we already have in Christ. 
we draw our attention to the Holy Spirit within us who's going to be teaching us how to speak and teaching us how to think and teaching us how to see and teaching us how to talk. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what happens in moments of communion that with you, that no striving to make something happen, but resting in who you are. And so, God, we just even right now, we practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. We recognize you're in us, you're with us. You're in this place. You're with us as a group of people. And God, where we need to, let our yes, our yes rise up to heaven. Our yes rise up to you. He says, give me everything I want and I'll give you everything you need. So we, we respond to you with our yes. Our yes. That's who we're going to be, God. That's who we're going to be, God. Our yes rises up to you. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Come, Holy Spirit, more and more. We've been talking a lot about that phrase, come, Holy Spirit. He's already in us, but what we're recognising is manifest the reality of what's already true to my awareness now. Cause the eyes of my heart to be opened to the reality that Christ is in me. Yes. Yes. Let it rise up more and more and more. Let it rise up. Yes. Let it rise up. Yes. 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 In intimacy and connection, you're teaching us. When we spend time with you, you're teaching us. You're leading us. You're directing us. You're shaping us. You're driving things out. You're doing war on stuff. Yes. We recognise the warrior who is within us. Rise up, mighty warrior. Rise up, Christ within. Rise up, hope. Rise up, peace. Rise up, godly confidence. Rise up, courage. Rise up, boldness. It's nothing to do with personality. This is everything to do with an awareness of the Christ within. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. You can join in too to speak to your, the reality in you. It can be a yes, God. Yes, God. You have me, God. I'm with you, God. I'm alive at this moment for purpose. Together we're alive for purpose. Together we're alive to be an apostolic community, bringing apostolic solutions, apostolic resources, apostolic responses, apostolic wisdom, heaven's wisdom to every problem, every difficulty, every chaos, every issue of poverty, every issue of hopelessness, every issue of mental health, every issue of lack, every issue that's in our community. We're believing that we carry solutions because of Christ within us. Because of Christ within us. Yes. Yes. We raise up a yes to you. This is a yes. No more surrendering our our corporate identity Mm. to any negativity. Mm. We're no longer going to surrender to anything that kills us, that weighs us down and makes us feel less than who Christ says we are. Yes, we say yes to you. We say more happens in an encounter than a lifetime of striving. More happens in a moment in your presence than the greatest work of trying to modify ourselves could ever produce. We just say thank you for relationship. We thank you for intimacy. We thank you for connection. We thank you for relationship. We won't be passive in this. We're going to abide. We're going to obey. We're going to be careful how we listen. We're going to be careful how we build. We're going to put it into practice. We won't get deceived and think, oh, it was enough to hear it. 
We're going to put this off. We're going to put this off. We're going to go to the school of heaven. You're going to teach us how to think and speak and see and act this week. It's going to change, God, because heaven's teaching us and tutoring us and and changing us and and maturing us and and convincing us. It might take time. Time's all right. Because he's going to bring a quickening spirit. What took years is going to take months. Yeah, what took months is going to take weeks. What took weeks is going to happen in a matter of days and a matter of moments. And so we say even right now, quicken it, quicken it, quicken it. Even the change that we've seen so far in our lives that might have even took a decade, that can happen in a matter of moments. It's going to happen in a matter of moments, a matter of weeks and months and days.